Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. So excited to bring you today's episode with my great friend, Sarah Murphy, integrative health practitioner and biology of trauma expert, amongst many, many other titles that she holds. She is the queen of root cause healing. And today, that is what we need to talk about because it is winter. We are getting a lot of messages in the house saying, I'm thinking about going on SSRIs. I'm having a really bad time. Like I'm really scared about the winter getting even darker and really struggling. We are here to help you understand what is going on. Today, we're going to be discussing all things beating the winter blues. What is seasonal depression? How does it show up? Why some people are more susceptible to it? What the solutions are? I can't wait to get into this episode. I think it is so needed. So hi, Sarah. Welcome back. How are you today? Hi, Louise. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Once again, I am actually so excited to get into this topic because this time of year, so many people suffer from this. And I think it's critical information that we need to share with your audience. So I'm really, really excited to share this information. 100%. And I guess what I want to ask you first is, do you see this a lot in your practice? Do you see people getting depressed in the winter months who maybe aren't depressed in the summer? Yes. So I guess the question there is what actually is seasonal depression and why does this affect most people in the winter months? And what is it about winter that people start feeling depressed? So seasonal depression is a type of depression that's, you know, comes from certain times of year. And it's often referred to as the winter blues because it comes during the winter months. And so a lot of this depression has to do with the light factors that start to happen with daylight savings time. You know, a couple of days ago, all the clocks went back. We're losing some daylight in the day. And so this is a time that a lot of people start to experience depressive episodes and they'll start to experience depression during this time. Yeah. And I think that people even know it's coming. People say, oh, I'm going to get depressed. The winter's always so difficult for me. I feel like in our subconscious mind as well, people think it's the sick season. I'm going to get sick. It's going to be awful. Yes. So some of the symptoms that you might experience during this time of year would be persistent feelings of sadness, loss of interest in things that you used to be able to enjoy in your life, changes in appetite and weight gain or weight loss, sleep disturbances. You might feel that you can't fall asleep at night or that you're overly tired and you can't wake up in the morning, low energy levels throughout the day. You might need naps. Feelings of hopelessness or worthlessness, difficulty concentrating throughout the day, oversleeping, not being able to wake up in the morning. You may experience increased food consumption during that time of year. You might feel isolation. You might feel like you don't want to socially connect like you used to. And so all of these symptoms are associated with seasonal depression 
And what I want people to know is that all these symptoms are showing disruption in our circadian rhythms, potentially due to the light signaling that's changed during these months. This can result in health issues that contribute to depression, like metabolic issues, blood sugar irregularities, leptin resistance, depression, low energy, and sleep disorders. So you have to understand that seasonal depression is multifactorial and it's a cascading effect here. Thanks for taking us through those symptoms. There's definitely stuff in there that I'm sure so many of us can relate to, even if it's just the increased food consumption and the oversleeping and, you know, just feeling meh and sluggish and like kind of gross in the winter months. Something that I've already learned today is that this is related to the circadian rhythm. I didn't know that. I thought maybe this was just related to neurotransmitters. So I'd love it if we could just talk a little bit around what that circadian rhythm is and I guess what happens like when it's not working properly. Yeah, so the circadian rhythm actually starts to affect our neurotransmitters. So that's actually a relation there, Louise. I want people to know that our circadian rhythm, when it's broken, our stress system actually gets broken. And our stress management system encompasses our hormones, our neurotransmitters, our mitochondria. These are all involved in our body's stress response. So these help our body cope and adapt to challenging situations. And when our stress system is broken, we actually start to get a dysregulated nervous system. I know I talk all the time of depression being a nervous system state, but if you think about circadian rhythm and when it's disrupted, you can actually see the effects in our nervous system. And that's so important for people to understand. That is so helpful to understand that actually below the circadian rhythm is the hormones and the neurotransmitters and the mitochondria. Because we have people in the house saying, I feel depressed. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing everything, but I still feel depressed. And actually a better way to look at it is, are your hormones balanced? Are your neurotransmitters balanced? Are your mitochondria functioning in the way that they need to? You know, we all know they are the powerhouse of the cell. Already you've just changed the way that I look at seasonal depression. So I hope that everyone listening is feeling the same. And I'm sure that they are. So I think that we get that our circadian rhythm is disrupted in the winter because there's a lack of light, because the days are shorter. So there's less light to regulate it. Is it only the lack of light that is causing all of these imbalances and the follow-on depression? Or is there other things going on as well? Yeah, so I think it might be important to describe exactly what our circadian rhythm is and what it does for us before I get into that question. So our circadian rhythm is actually our body's internal clock that regulates our various physiological processes on a 24-hour cycle. These rhythms are influenced by external cues. The most major one is the dark light cycle. And so the light exposure is crucial for setting and maintaining our body's circadian rhythms. And so seasonal changes in light will actually disrupt them like we talked about. But then again, there are so many other things that add to the circadian rhythm balance. And that can go for the times that we're eating during the day, when we're going to bed at night, when we're waking up in the morning. And so if we're not going with the rhythms of our natural body, these rhythms start to go off. When it's broken, our stress system actually gets broken. Our hormones, our neurotransmitters, our mitochondria, these are all involved in our body's stress response. Yeah, and we're going to get into all of those things. But first of all, let's just understand what other systems are affected by what is going on here. Because this is a full body experience, right? It's not just happening in our brain, in our mind, like some people think. 
Yeah. So to get into the list a little bit more, when we're dealing with circadian rhythm imbalance, we start to see melatonin imbalance. And so melatonin is our hormone that plays a critical role in regulating our sleep patterns. And so people who are dealing with seasonal depression, there may be overproduction of melatonin. And this actually leads to an increase of sleepiness. So people who are saying, you know, I'm tired throughout the day, I don't have energy to do things. And so this increase in melatonin is actually caused from lack of sunlight during the day. We actually need sunlight during the day to produce right amounts of melatonin at certain times. We also see serotonin and dopamine dysregulations, just like you said, Louise. You know, these are related to our circadian rhythm imbalances as well. And so serotonin, I think you guys all know, this contributes to feelings of our happiness. Well, dopamine actually contributes to the feelings of our rewards. And so when we experience a disruption in our circadian rhythms, these neurotransmitter levels start to change, and this can cause the symptoms of depression. That is so interesting about melatonin. It's something that I definitely don't know too much about. And I know that I used to be like, oh my God, this is like the best sleeping pill ever. And then now as I'm on my more natural journey, I try to not really take anything that can interfere with anything. But that is fascinating to understand that. Let's also talk about vitamin D. Lack of light can lead to vitamin D deficiency. Is that correct? And does that play a part in this? Yeah. So I think that everyone knows that getting sunlight is the best way to get vitamin D. And so vitamin D is so critical for our mental health. There's actually so many associations with symptoms of depression with people who are lacking in vitamin D. So we see that if we're not getting enough sunlight during the day, we're obviously going to be vitamin D deficient, and that is going to really, really affect our moods. And so it's really important to note that vitamin D is critical for our immune system. And when we don't have enough vitamin D, we start to get immune system dysregulation. And when this happens, it causes a lot of inflammation in our body. And so inflammation actually has been associated with mood disorders, including depression. There's actually so many studies on this inflammation model of depression. So if we are dysregulated in our immune system and we are not getting the immune system regulation that we need, we're going to start to see the symptoms that are going to come out in depression there. So that's really, really big in terms of getting the proper amounts of vitamin D and the link to our immune system and the link to our moods. Okay, I just want to jump on that point around the inflammatory model of depression, because I still think we see at Open House people messaging all the time saying, I take SSRIs because I have depression, it runs in the family, it's genetic, and that is me. I was like, it just runs in my family, like that's why I've gone through big bouts of depression in my life. When I started working with you and becoming friends with you, I learned how there are so many other contributors to depression that are not just neurotransmitter-based, and that also our genetics are not destined to being fixed for life, like the external environment and what's going on inside of us can control how our neurotransmitters are created. Is there anything that you want to just add there to help people understand that ultimately, like they are in control of their environment and it is the environment that determines the inflammation and then it is the inflammation that can lead to or not lead to depression. Is that correct? Yes. I just want to make a note here in the sense that genetics load the gun and the environment pulls the trigger. But when it comes to our neurotransmitters, it wasn't the neurotransmitter that came first. There's a 
reason why our neurotransmitters may be lower than normal. And so the inflammatory model of depression shows that when we're dealing with inflammation, our neurotransmitters go down. And so things like cortisol stress hormones, our neurotransmitters go down. So again, it's about the environment of the body, the hormonal balance, into why our neurotransmitters are going to express the way that they are. And so the inflammatory model of depression shows that gut issues cause body-wide inflammation. A lot of people will seriously suffer with low neurotransmitters there as well. There's so much to think about when it comes to why you're experiencing depression and why you're experiencing low neurotransmitters. Yes, I really want to dig into this right here. We've actually never spoken about it on the podcast. What I have learned on this journey is that there are so many things that are inflammatory to our body, whether that is the products we put on our skin, whether it is the food that we eat, the glyphosate that's sprayed on top of them, the seed oils, the canola, the cleaning products that are toxic, the air fresheners, the candles. I mean, when you start on this journey, you literally get to the point where you're like, can I live my life? Like you get to a point where you're just like, I can't fucking use anything. I can't use the cleaning products there. I can't drink out of this plastic bottle because that has endocrine disruptors in it. I can't put the candle on because it produces VOCs. I can't even remember what that stands for. Volatile organic compounds, I think. You learn that like the environment that we live in is so man-made. It is so built out of consumerism and capitalism and people making money out of the products that they create that they actually don't give a fuck about what they do to our health. And then all of these studies are starting to come out actually showing the impact of that. So what are your thoughts on all of those things that I've listed there? And would you say there's anything that I've missed that you would classify as inflammatory as well as that? I think you're absolutely right, Louise. You know, we live in a toxic environment and we have government agencies that aren't actually looking into what's in the products that we're using on the daily. So we basically have to become the rulers of our life. We're the ones that have to look into these products that we're using because no one else is going to do it for us. I just do want to mention that when it comes to inflammation in the body and low neurotransmitters, one of the biggest things is mental stress. And so a lot of people with unresolved trauma or even in the winter months seem to be a little bit more stressful for people because they're partying, they're eating inflammatory foods, they're not getting the sleep that they need because it's holidays and it's go, go, go. And people are with their children, the children are home from school. And all of these things are contributing factors to why we may feel a little bit more depressed this time of year because A, that stress is weighing down on our immune system and causing the dysregulation in our immune system. And so that whole model of like inflammation causing depression, it really shines there because winter months seem to be the busiest months and people's systems are just not meant to deal with that type of stress, especially if you're dealing with any underlying gut issues or again, unresolved trauma in your life. I'm so happy we're talking about unresolved trauma because you've taught me as well that like if your body is stressed, if you haven't processed things and your body is constantly in fight or flight, basically your primal animal brain like doesn't really understand what's going on. It just knows that it's in danger and it knows it's in threat. And then that leads to all of the inflammatory, stressful responses in the body. And I guess before we move on, this is something that people probably won't want to hear, but I would like to know the answer to this question, which is, do you think it's fair to say that pharmaceutical drugs are inflammatory? Because you made this interesting point about maybe our governments don't have agency or they're not like advocating for us in the way that they should. And anyone who just watched that new Emily Blunt movie, I think it was called Pain Hustlers or something like that. 
we were discussing it in the house. We were like, holy fucking guacamole. We had no idea that the pharma industry was like set up that way and that it was all built through kickbacks and commissions and stuff like that. Outside of that, is it fair to say that pharmaceuticals can be inflammatory as well? Yes. So what people need to realize before making the choice to use SSRIs or any type of pharmaceutical drug is that there's always a side effect to these pharmaceutical drugs. And a lot of the times these drugs, even SSRIs, it's proven that it actually causes a lot of gut inflammation. And if you think about it, if our depression is rooted in, you know, inflammation in the body and we're already causing more a cascade of inflammation, that might not be the route that you want to go. And I'm not telling people to not take SSRIs because they definitely do help some people. But I do want people to be educated on really the root cause of their depression and know that they have other options and understand what the root cause is and really take care of their body the best way that they can. Yeah. And we're going to get into all of this next year that if you decide that you don't want to take the SSRIs, We're going to help you understand how you can balance your neurotransmitters with lifestyle decisions and things like that. So we have some content coming out on that, particularly in our ADHD series, which we have lined up to go out. It's going to go out to our premium subscribers first. So we are creating a lot of content here to help you. So to wrap up here, I just want people to know that it isn't the chemical imbalance that started the depression. There's something that caused you to have a chemical imbalance. And again, that can be rooted in inflammation, in infection, in mental stress. They think that they're doomed because they have this chemical imbalance and that they're prone to depression. But there's something called epigenetics where the way your genes are expressing is because the environment's in the body. And so these are things that we can all actually control and you know, all start to get better if we realize at the root where the chemical imbalance is stemming from. Yes, this is so interesting. And you just mentioned like stress changes in our diet. Let's talk through some of those so people can understand that actually it's like the environment around us at Christmas that can be contributing to this depression state. Yeah. So a big thing around the winter months is that we're breathing in recycled air. And so people don't realize that breathing in recycled air, it has a, takes a toll on your immune system. So that's a stress on the immune system. So recycled air is because we are not opening our windows and we're breathing in air that just keeps recycling around our house. And this air quality is actually super toxic to us. You know, during the summer months, our windows are open, we're outdoor, we're breathing fresh air. And so if you can understand how much stress that's putting on your body, just breathing in this recycled air, you can understand how our immune systems are taking a hit during the winter months. Another thing I want to note is the dietary changes around winter. You know, we all know that we love being cozy on the couch, eating the sugar-fat combo that's just so soothing to us. And people have to understand that when we're reaching for these soothing foods, it's because we are low in serotonin. These foods help boost serotonin. So if you're the type of person that finds that you're overeating in the winter months and you know you're reaching for the foods that you wouldn't normally reach for in times of comfort, understand that that can actually come from lower amounts of neurotransmitters and that can be rooted in, you know, lower amounts of sunlight during that type of year. So interesting you say that because someone said to me a couple of weeks ago about Halloween, they were like just watch everyone start to get sick after Halloween because of the intense sugar intake that everyone is going to go through. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have never 
ever thought about that, that like you have the Halloween spike, you eat so much shit and then, oh, all of a sudden it's sick season. Can sugar really have that impact on your immune system? Yes. So sugar lowers your immune system. And so when people think about flu season and, you know, everyone's getting sick, this is actually a season where people overly stressed, eating too much sugar, indulging in too much food. The holidays is a time for indulgence. And you can understand that, you know, when we're indulging like this and eating all that sugar and being in all these stressful situations, maybe going to these parties and drinking alcohol, we can understand how much that takes a toll on our immune system and in turn can affect our moods and even lead to something like seasonal depression. I remember when I used to be in London, everyone would just be out all the time, drinking, smoking, taking drugs, like repeat. It was just this one long party season. And then I think you go home to your family and then you're like exhausted after the party season and you lie on the sofa for 10 days and you eat so much shit. You kind of then get to the end of the year and you're like, fuck, like I am tired. Like your soul can be tired. And then you start to like kind of release and regulate. And we sometimes do that through food. What about physical activity as well? I feel like it's natural that most of us just like stop being active in the winter months, right? Yeah. So we all know how much physical activity has an effect on our overall health. And, you know, physical activity has been associated with helping depression. And during the cold months, we can say that we're not going for our usual walks. We're not getting outside the way that we were. You know, we want to be bundled on the couch, comfortable in our blankets. And, you know, this really has an effect on our immune system and inflammation that we deal with in our body. And so people tend to get lower moods because they are not moving as much during this time. Yeah, you know, the whole lying on the sofa then just ties into the sleep. Like we all just kind of want to sleep all the time and it's hard to wake up in the morning and then we kind of feel groggy in the morning. And I think in the summer, we always say, get outside, get the sunlight on your eyes, get your feet on the earth. You just can't do any of those things in the winter or it is much harder. You know, I remember once a practitioner told me to go and ground. I was like, I'm in fucking England. There's snow on the ground. And he was in Sydney. So he was like, oh yeah, that doesn't really work for you. And I'm like, yeah, right on. That does not work for me. Yeah. So I just want people to realize that there's this bi-directional relationship between our immune system and depression. And so when the immune system remains in a state of chronic inflammation from all the things that you're doing or the lack of things that you're doing during this time, this can affect the brain and lead to all those depressive symptoms associated with depression. So it's immune system dysregulation and inflammation that we're really talking about when we talk about all these things and how they're affecting us. And this is fascinating because we started this episode talking about circadian rhythm. So I was just like, oh, it's all because of the light. And actually in the space of like 25 minutes, you've gone on to explain that there are so many things that are not just about the light. That is just like one of many factors. Let's talk through this genetic predisposition. I know it might not be super helpful for some people because most of us won't have done genetic testing. I have never done it. But I think let's just give a brief overview so people have some really coherent understanding here. Yeah, so I just want some people to understand that there are some genetic predispositions. You aren't doomed because we can always express our genes in ways. And there are so many things that we can do to help our genes. But genetics and also hormonal changes such as our thyroid hormones contribute to our mood disturbances. And again, people have to note thyroid hormones. They are very critical when it comes to our mood. So I think this time of year, a lot of people need to get their thyroid checked because our thyroid is affected by stress. So if our thyroid is off, we are definitely going to feel depressed during this type of year. 
With that being said, I'll get into some of the genes. So, you know, some of the serotonin-related genes can actually affect the reuptake and the receptor sensitivity of serotonin. So some people actually don't hold on to serotonin as long. Some people will experience lower serotonin during this type of year than the next person. There's also circadian clock genes. And so these genes are what regulate our sleep-wake cycle and our physiological processes influenced by genetic factors. We could also see some people with circadian clock genes that affect their circadian sleep-wake cycle. Variations in these genes may affect the body's response to changes in daylight hours more than the next person. A lot of people with these genes actually are dealing with jet lag. And I know you, Louise, you're very, very sensitive to jet lag. And so if that is something for you, you might have an issue with the circadian clock genes. Not an issue, just a more different snip in the gene. And then we have photoreceptor genes. So these genetic variations in these genes that encode photoreceptor proteins in the eyes may impact an individual's sensitivity to light. So understand that, you know, if we have altered photoreceptor function, it can actually affect how our body responds to changes in natural light exposure. I again want to point that we are not doomed by our genes and we can actually support them. This is the study of epigenetics and how our environment can actually change the expression of our genes. So I don't want people to think that if they were to have the predisposition that they are doomed, we can actually support the body to work more in your favor. And that's really important to understand. Yeah. And that's really powerful because since working with you, you've empowered me to believe that I can do anything for my body and that my body is always talking to me. And it's just signs and signals showing me what my body needs more of. And I guess now is the perfect time to talk about how you can control your SAD, your SAD, your seasonal depression, how you can combat it. And I know that you have so many steps that you help your clients with. I don't know how many of them we're going to be able to get through today, but Let's just jump in. Like if someone came to you and you started to advise them, where would you start? Okay. So the first thing, the most important thing is to start your day with natural sunlight exposure in the retina of your eye. You really want to avoid indoor lights and phone screens in the morning because they're going to set off this circadian rhythm. So if you get natural light in your eye in the first 10, 15 minutes of waking up, this actually sets your body's internal clock and improves your bowel movements, it reduces inflammation, it increases your cortisol response so that you're going to have a lot of energy during the day. I want people to understand that we have a natural cortisol curve, which means that we have energy when we wake up and the energy goes down when we go to sleep. And when we're dealing with circadian rhythm disruption, our cortisol curve goes off. So that morning sunlight is so important to start your circadian rhythm and to spike that cortisol curve. So the next thing that I would tell my clients to do would be to hydrate with drinking warm water in the morning with a pinch of sea salt and lemon before they drink their coffee. And so this actually kickstarts the hydration and digestion and reduces the impact of morning cortisol spikes throughout the day. So we need natural cortisol, like I just mentioned, and we need it to lower at night. And so if we're getting spikes throughout the day, we are actually going to start to experience anxiety and depression throughout our day. So we really, really, really want to stop that spike from happening. I want to ask you there what your thoughts are on these LMNT electrolytes, because I am obsessed with them and I feel a lot better since I've been taking them. What are your thoughts on taking electrolytes in the morning for hydration versus just hot water and lemon? 
So electrolytes are full of minerals that we need to hydrate on a cellular level. They give a spark to our cell. They give us energy. Most of us aren't getting enough electrolytes, enough potassium, sodium, all of these things. We actually need them to spark to our cell, that energy to our cell. It actually helps the mitochondrial health. So I would recommend if you are someone that deals with seasonal depression or anyone who's dealing with any type of stress, we definitely need more electrolytes in our life. The LMNT are amazing. If you don't want to invest in that, Celtic sea salt is natural and it has all the electrolytes in there. Yeah, I would definitely recommend everyone start getting on the electrolyte train. Yeah, and that's an easy fix you can make. Like I do that every single morning. I get up, I have my electrolytes, I have my water. I would now never have a coffee straight away. It's a very easy switch that I have found has made a lot of difference. What else would you recommend to people listening? Yeah, so your morning routine is very important. And what you eat is very important. When you eat is very important. I would recommend eating a low-carb, high-animal-fat, high-protein breakfast within the first hour of waking up. And the reason for this is because it actually syncs your body's internal clocks. It controls your cravings. It influences your blood sugar levels actually for the next 36 hours. So having a big breakfast full of protein and healthy fats will actually keep you feeling amazing throughout the day and keep your mood stable. Interesting you say that. I'm definitely not good at this. Like me and my boyfriend, we love a French bakery. There's a French bakery in Salem. We love a fucking croissant, a pan of chocolat. And I know that it's not good to start the day like that. And then yesterday I watched a video with Doc Amons and he said the two things he would never eat in the morning before getting on with his day, I guess, was sugar or anything that breaks down into sugar. And I was like, oh, I guess he wouldn't go to the French bakery then. (laughs) Dr. Amon knows his shit, man. So eating a breakfast that's high in sugar actually boosts your cortisol levels and it actually causes blood sugar dysregulation. If we want to think about what actually causes mood disorders, we want to think about blood sugar dysregulation. Balancing your blood sugars is the number one thing that people can start with today to actually get better moods. And so how do you do that? You start your day with high amounts of animal fats and proteins to stabilize your blood sugar. Protein is so important. And also your first meal of the day sets the tone for the rest of the day. So you want to make sure that that meal has very, very high amounts of protein and animal fats to stabilize yourself so you can feel that throughout. Can you give me some examples of protein? Because I know there's all those things on Instagram like, you bitches think that two eggs is enough. Like two eggs is not enough. What is protein? How much should we be eating? Like six eggs? What are we talking (laughs) Well, we should generally be eating 30 to 60 grams of protein. It depends on your activity level. If you're someone that does weightlifting and you're very active throughout the day, you can be eating more amounts. I recommend for a female to at eat at least three eggs. Two's not enough. It actually isn't. Unless you're getting protein from other sources like peanut butter on an apple or Greek yogurt, or you're adding bacon to your meal. If we're just eating the eggs and that's your only source of protein, I think that you should be eating at least three. And eggs are a superfood. If you can eat eggs, I recommend eating eggs five times a week. Eggs are amazing. I think what's interesting here as well is some people are like, oh, I'm going to take a protein shake because I'm trying to get my protein in. And then again, when you're in this health world, you're like, holy fuck, these protein shakes are full of so much shit, so much filler, so many gums and stuff like that. Yeah. So there are definitely pretty garbage products on the market and you definitely want to watch out for that. I do 
sometimes recommend protein shakes to my clients who find it hard to get enough protein in the day. But again, you want to go with high quality source. You want to make sure that the protein is grass fed. Uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not getting the pesticides or the hormones in that protein shake. Again, with all the gums and fillers that start to create gut inflammation, you really want to do a trusted source. And I guess we, Louise can link something in the show notes. If people are looking to get more protein in their diet and they don't know where to go, I can actually give you that recommendation there. So I actually wanted to go over some of the other things that I would recommend to my clients if they are dealing with seasonal depression. I think the big thing I talked about the morning sunlight, but getting the sunlight exposure during sunset and actually multiple times during the day is actually what boosts our mind boosting chemicals. And so, you know, our serotonin, which regulates our hunger hormones and our happy hormones is actually regulated throughout the whole day if we get proper amount of sunlight. And so I want people to understand that if you can go and take those breaks, even if you feel like the sun's not out, you're still getting the UV exposure of the sunlight. And I would recommend you getting out a couple times during the day if you can to help boost those chemicals. And it's really hard to do that in winter. Like I remember in COVID, I was like, I don't even want to fucking go outside. Like I just want to stay inside, stay glued to my laptop. I think that you have to find the podcast that worked for you. If you do not have a dog where like when I'm in London, when I'm in England, I'd go out every single day, like two to three times a day, throw the tennis ball, walk the dog. If I didn't have that dog, I would literally never go outside. So I'm not saying get a dog, but what I am saying is find your podcast, like find a helpful podcast, find a fun podcast. Like I listen to some that are educational. I listen to some that are celebrity gossip, like get a catalog of stuff you want to listen to. You're a big walker what other advice would you have for getting outside? Like, do you always want to go outside or sometimes are you just like, I know that I have to do this? I definitely over the last couple of years have seen myself not go outside as much. Invest in a really warm jacket, invest in really warm boots. And you know, if you're warm that way, you're going to want to do it more. So I actually have a jacket that goes down to my ankles. I live in Canada, so it gets really, really cold here, but I dress for the weather. And I pump myself up for it because walking itself makes me feel amazing. And walking and getting that exercise is the double boost there because you're getting a hit of endorphins and serotonin. And, you know, that walk's really going to boost your mood as well. You're so right. I remember some of my best memories ever is when I was in New York and it was like minus 15 degrees, which in Fahrenheit is like minus 60 or minus 80 or whatever. I don't know the conversion. But if you are warm in your body, and I'm not talking those nylon puffer jackets, you guys need like full down puffer jackets. Like just go to Uniqlo for a hundred dollars. You can get a 100% down jacket. Like you need to be getting away from this polyester that does not keep you warm. If you get the right things, you get the gloves, like you get the hat. Actually, you can kind of be toasty when you're walking. But I am glad that we're talking about cold because I want to talk to you about doing cold showers. Yes. So intentionally exposing yourself to cold actually increases our dopamine production and reduces our inflammation and improves our sleep. So cold therapy is also very stimulating for our production of melanin. And that's actually our master antioxidant. And it optimizes our electron transport in our cells. And so that's giving more energy to our cells. That's actually taking care of our mitochondrial health. Again, I want to note, 
when people deal with depression, they deal with mitochondrial dysfunction. They don't have the energy in their cells anymore. So anything that boosts mitochondrial production, we want to do. And cold exposure is amazing for that. And so we actually don't need to go and pay money to go to the ice baths. We can do that in, you know, the comfort of our own home to do the cold showers, you know, do hot, do cold. Any type of cold exposure will do that for you. Yeah. So anyone listening, get in that cold shower. Truthfully, it warms you up from the inside, which feels so counterintuitive. And I have never felt better than doing them. So I would 100% recommend that. Now, I haven't already mentioned in this episode that we're actually going to have a PDF coming with today's episode that has all of these steps in it, all of the products linked, everything like that. You'll have the free trial to the Breathwork app open that we work with, all of the products linked, everything like that. Anything that we have access to knowledge-wise, we are going to share with you in this PDF, as well as all of Sarah's recommendations for supplements and for exposure lamps. We're also going to go deeper in the PDF. So if this is you and you're listening to this and you want the ultimate list of everything you need to get through this, so link for you in the show notes. One thing that I think everyone needs to know whether or not they buy this guide is the basics of diet. We've touched on some of this around breakfast, around protein. Yeah, so I know that we already mentioned before that we want to spike our serotonin levels so we reach for the carbohydrates and the fat combos. And so the thing here is we want to make sure that we are creating blood sugar regulation and we are avoiding those cortisol spikes because, again, that starts to create dysregulation in our body. I think a big thing here is understanding that a lot of nutrient deficiencies can actually contribute to depression because, you know, our brains run on nutrients. And one of the major ones I see is you know, a lack of omega-3 fatty acids. And these are found in seasonal fish. And again, what I said before, vitamin D. And so both of these are linked to improved moods and improved concentration. And, you know, when we're really lacking these nutrients, we see a deficit in our brain capabilities. We start to see mood disorders. So I think it's really important to people to understand that even supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids during this time and If you get your vitamin D levels tested and you are low in vitamin D, supplement with vitamin D on your doctor's orders. I'm not a doctor. I can't give any medical advice here, but you really want to get those levels to where they should be because your moods can be affected here. I also think it's important to talk to a doctor, right? Because we know people who have overdosed themselves on vitamin D. Can you just explain how that is something that you just don't want to be messing around with? Yes, this is very important because in the holistic world, we throw around supplements like they're nothing that you can take everything at any time of the day. We want to really stress that vitamin D is a hormone and there's a reason why your vitamin D levels are low and there's a root cause reason. That might be lack of sun, but that also might be high amounts of inflammation or low amounts of magnesium. People have to understand that without magnesium, you actually can't activate vitamin D in the body. And so you might be missing a mineral that's actually activating the vitamin D. You might also be dealing with some sort of issue in the liver that converts the vitamin D. So I think looking at the root cause reasons is very, very important. I actually, with my client, don't like to go right to a supplement. I actually like to put them on food-based vitamin D, and that would come from something like cod liver oil. And so that's a fish oil. And, you know, during the winter months, cod liver oil is amazing because it's very, very good for immunity because it has vitamin D and it also has vitamin A coming from food sources. I also think it's really important to embrace dietary scarcity, especially in the colder months. 
This means reducing carb intake on some days and consider intermediate fasting if you are hormonally balanced. And that's a huge thing. I don't recommend intermediate fasting for a woman who has hormone issues. You really want to check in with your doctor in that. You just mentioned it there. Like if you have hormonal imbalances, it's not good. It can drive your cortisol levels up further and it can tell your body that things are really stressful. But then on the flip side, I did a two-day fast maybe six months ago. And after two days, I felt unbelievable. Is that why? Because at that point, the mitochondria start to like kick up back into action. So you have loads of energy because I've never really put two and two together. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, your body starts digging into your ketones and it's running off energy, right? It's running off your fat stores versus your carbohydrate stores. And so when we're in this mode, our brain actually works a lot better. You know, we start to get a lot sharper. A lot of people recommend the keto diet or even intermediate fasting with keto diet for people who have any types of mental health issues. No one teaches us this. No one taught us this at school. No one teaches us this as adults. And it's even hard to find it like out there in educational podcasts and stuff. So you are amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh my God. Honestly, I'm just really excited to share this information. I know we've been talking for too long and I know we need to wrap it up at this point, but there are so many other things that I didn't go over, things including red light therapy, paying attention to our lighting environment in our house, you know, using certain types of bulbs in our house that can actually help our circadian rhythms. You know, we're actually not supposed to eat at certain times of the day for circadian rhythm for it to go smoothly. So we have to balance the way we eat our meals and the timing of our meals. I'll also get into things like, you know, melatonin production and how we can actually enhance that production to like get our sleep-wake cycle even better and make sure that we are actually doing stress-relieving activities during the winter months because this is, again, one of the biggest things. If we are not engaging in these stress-relieving activities, you know, we're going to start to see decrease in our moods and we're going to start to see a lot of stress and a lot of decrease in our energy levels and damage to the mitochondria. I link all of this information in the PDF along with certain types of essential oils and products and everything that we can do that I couldn't go over today to help deal with this type of depression. I know in the guide you reference other devices as well, but what are your thoughts on the morning lamp versus the red light lamp, you know, doing red light therapy versus the morning and evening lamps? Is it something you would do together for added benefits? I guess that's my final question for you today. I personally love red light therapy lamps. They have huge potential in helping people with everything from their moods to their sleep, to their concentration, to their skin health. I personally own one and I use it every single morning and every single night. You don't have to invest in a million different types of lamps. Having one red light therapy lamp, if you can't get the sunlight exposure during the day or you do suffer from very extensive seasonal depression, I do recommend people purchase them, even though they are a little bit expensive. They have so many benefits that are cited in so many studies. And I guess my very final question is, I think that sometimes in the winter, in the darkness, we can have an identity crisis because we become very unsure of who we are and how we feel about life and what we're doing with our life. Maybe we feel lonely. We don't have the right friends. We're not aligned with the right community. Maybe we actually just really hate our job and we're stuck with bills and kids and all of the things that is part of day-to-day life, but that maybe there's a way that we could shift that over the next 12 months and look to do something with more purpose or something that's more aligned with what we want to give back to the planet. What are your thoughts on using this 
crisis period as a flashlight into how they can build like a new year next year? Yes, I just want to note that we have seasons for a reason. And winter is the season to let us slow down. Summer, we are go, go, go. We are not thinking about our emotions, activities every day. And winter is the time that really slows us down. And we can fall into depression because we aren't doing enough and all our emotions catch up to us. We talk about nervous system regulation and a lot of the time going into the dorsal free state happens in the winter because we are slowed down with our thoughts and, you know, we have to think about things. And so I think that if people can turn this into a different light of that slowing down and that self-reflection has purpose, you know, if we were always doing and if we didn't have these seasons to just think about our life and to make those changes, we wouldn't be able to have the self-reflection needed to make the changes in our life that we need. So I think that people need to understand that self-reflecting, maybe getting a journal during this time of year, maybe digging into the things in our life that we're not happy with and that aren't serving us in our life. This is a time for self-reflection. My mom always says it, there would be no summer without winter. And we need these times to slow down, to calm, to ground and reflect. So we are here. We are here to help you. Everything you need linked in the PDF is in the show notes. But most of all, we're here on the podcast. This is a free resource. We are here for everyone. Get outside. We have 140 something episodes at this point to keep in your ears whilst you get that cold walk in. Come and join us in the house. Sarah's in there if you want to ask her one-to-one questions. There's nearly 700 people in there. It's full of love, support, community. Some of the things that I feel like we're missing during the lonely months at Christmas when everyone's in relationships, everyone's out partying in their friendship groups. So you're not alone. We are here to guide you. And is there anything else that you want to share today before we wrap up? I just want to thank you for having me on this podcast again. And I am just really excited for everyone to be able to deep dive into why they're really experiencing what they're experiencing and understand that there are solutions. You know, you're not alone in this journey. There's deeper rooted things going on that there are solutions for. So I really hope that this podcast gave you some ins to help you during this time of year. Exactly. You're here to empower. And that's exactly what you've done to me and to my life. So Thank you so much to everyone listening. Thank you for showing up for yourself just by committing to listen to this podcast. Maybe this might be the last low winter season you might ever have to experience. We love you guys and we will see you soon.